comic book pit. Okay. different the amazing comic book pit (laughs) we're back folks this is episode 261 i'm dan and i'm scott and we are recording uh, for the first time in the amazing sorgatron media studios in beachview just right outside of pittsburgh and uh, we're we're super pumped to be here this is just amazing this place I, like I was saying, this place is huge. Like I thought it was going to be uh, like a little wedge of a room, mm-hmm. and this thing is a this is a full blown multimedia studio. Yeah, this is for real. Like, yeah, we <laughs> we do not deserve this. No. <laughs> yeah, no. This I think we were. It's not for us. Our humble beginnings were uh, podcasting in the basement. Yeah, we. I mean, we were. We were very grassroots in the beginning. <laughs> My laptop, we, we sat in between a, a, a ten dollar USB microphone and in a basement and that was it for years until we we got sick of each other and we're like, let's just Skype. <laughs> like I can't drive that far. Yeah. <laughs> uh comic book pit, the name didn't just mean Pittsburgh at that time. It was like we are in a we're in a bomb shelter, in a <laughs> it hole in that bad. No, I mean, no, I mean, you had a bathroom in there. So, um, no, but it was, but yeah, it was like, um, yeah, just like we just wanted to do this to talk about comics and uh, get together, and we're like, we can, we can do this, like we can, yeah. It's it, it we're it, something. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice midway point for both of us. Yeah, this is this is nice. Yeah, Sorgatron Media, um, good location for us as well. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to, I honestly like a whole year. Yeah. Of doing this. This is yeah, this is great. And and the and the, the people of Sorgatron Media, Mike and Missy, I mean, yeah. they've they're amazing. They they brought us in uh, late last year as part of their network. Uh, I mean, we're already on their on their sign. Yeah. You know. Oh man, like what a. Honestly, what a thrill. Um, I was at Steel City Con and walking around, and I saw Missy, and I was like, I know her. But I couldn't, like, my brain wouldn't work. And I looked over to the side of her, and there's Comic Book Pit. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's great to finally be here. Like, once we, you know, holidays are over, it's like, it's time to get back to work. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Hey, that's what I kept saying. New year, new rules. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're podcasting in person. It's yeah. different. Came full um, circle. Yeah. It's not like we're doing like a, a live event thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, this is, this yeah. is like for real. We got headphones and microphones <laughs> and uh, we don't have two turntables. 
but you know. <laughs> we got a soundboard. We got <laughs> like legit equipment. I mean, and we're just this is just great. Like, again, it's just it's awesome to be here, and um, you should check out the, like the other shows on the Sorgatron Media Network. If you just just go to sorgatronmedia.com, guaranteed. Like there, there's such an array of shows, you're gonna find something there that you enjoy. I think also to mention um, they uh, the video ser- they do video services they do like a lot of things that uh, mm-hmm. even any you know anybody could yeah. you know if they had a need they have a separate business it's called uh, Sidekick Media yeah and that's you know they offer like you said video services audio uh, any kind of multimedia or you know social media uh, yeah it's they do it all yeah. And, All right, and they're yeah, they're they they know what they're doing. They know, I mean, <laughs> they know a thing or two. Yeah, <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> We're a couple of John Snows. <laughs> we know nothing. Um, but there is one thing we know, and that's comic books. We do know something about that. We know a thing or two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we're going to – we're kind of switching up our format a little bit. Well, we talked about doing this a while ago, and it never mm-hmm. really set in. But we're going to do – we're going to alternate our – our episodes where one week we're going to talk about comics and another week we're just going to talk about whatever. Yeah, it's whatever's be, in the news or yeah, whatever's on our minds. Yeah, it could be like TV, you know, but it's going to be, you know, mostly probably comic related. So mm-hmm. we'll still, you know, keep it keep it relevant. Keep it real. Relevant. Relevant. Rel- relevant. <laughs> like, yeah, I was thinking relevant like an elephant. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, so I think we've got some uh, some big books to kick this this not only this year but this yeah. show off with. I mean, there's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kick it off with uh, issues one and two of Doomsday Clock. That's the right one from DC Comics. Yeah, this is the one. I'm I'll be honest with you. I am still uh, I'm really not. I'm still not sure. After two issues, I'm really not sure what to think. I'm kind. I'm. I feel like so. After I read the first issue, I said to myself, okay, hold off any opinions until you read the second issue. Yeah. I read the second issue, and I, I'm thinking, okay, um, we're still not sure what's happening here, so let's just let's just hold off on really, I think, yeah. If we, I, like, give a brief, like, do, like, a brief synopsis, like, anybody that, if you haven't picked this up and you like The Watchmen, that's crazy, first of all. Mm-hmm. If you haven't yet, but if you had watched like the Watchmen movie, um, you know the whole thing started like it was like in around the year 1985, mm-hmm. I believe, when it actually ends, and they had Ozymandias had unleashed his plan to fix the world problem, uh, the threat of nuclear war with a, a, a supposed alien invasion. Right. Um, and the movie was different. They basically blamed it on, uh, Dr. Manhattan. Um, so this is like picking up more, uh, I'm trying to remember the year, but I believe it's more now into the nineties. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so, so Doomsday Clock is basically a direct sequel to Watchmen. Oh, 1992. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. So it, let's say it takes place, you know, seven or so years after mm-hmm. seven, eight years after the events of Watchmen and the world is still shitty. 
Yeah, it it never terrible. it never got better. Yeah. Um, the other thing too was that Rorschach's plan uh, to reveal Ozymandias' plan was revealed in the news, right. and that that that's part of why everything is so bad. Yeah, because, because everybody knows the truth. Yeah, so the problem never got better. Mm-hmm. So even though it's weird how like thinking just about those characters in general, but Ozymandias is a villain. I mean, yeah, for the most part, yeah. For the mo- for all intent, he is a villain because he killed millions of people. Uh, even if he said in the name of justice, he still did it. Killed the comedian. Yeah, he killed the comedian in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a villain, straight up. And then um, Rorschach, who would be you know like kind of like a Batman hero, he still kind of effed the world too because. He's like, well, even if that plan would have worked, I'm going to ruin that plan. Yeah. So he's, he's still gonna he's still gonna make people know that there's, yeah. So like a real story. So he did that, um, lost his life over it, and then still made, undid anything that they thought would have helped the world. Mm-hmm. He undid it immediately. So like the whole thing is a mess. Yeah, I mean, from from the first issue of Doomsday Clock, it's just, yeah, everything has just gone to hell. Yeah, and so the clock... I mean, the, it, and the world is basically back on the brink of nuclear war. Yeah, so we pick it up. Um, Ozymandias went into hiding, I believe, in the issue. Um, but he, what he had been working on was the way to find Dr. Manhattan, who had left. Right, he's convinced that Dr. Manhattan is the way to fix everything. Yeah. Now, literally, they take so they take um, night uh, night owl. I'm I'm getting his name yes. wrong. Night owl. His his ship. They take his ship and basically try to ride the wave out before the bombs literally hit. Yeah, he said. Well, he's like he he, he comes up with Ozymandias comes up with some basically some Star Trek science. Yeah, and he says, oh. Dr. Manhattan farts these special electrons or something. Right, right. And we're going to follow the trail that he leaves. Right. Which he, which as they're following it, the world is plunged into nuclear, like nuclear war. Like the bombs start start going Like they literally are trying to move out of that dimension Mm -hmm. as the bomb hits the street. Like they are, and they're rocked. To, to get out of that. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> and then, of course, like, I think this is what it is, like, Watchmen is such a... Um, I don't know, it's like a ground level... I was just about to say that. It, it, it's, it's such a grounded book. Like, yeah. They're, they're, like, aside and, from Dr. Manhattan, there there is no... There are no elements of the fantastic. And that's what... I think, and that was the point. That's part of the point of of the Watchmen is when you introduce Superman, this or the Superman, it ruins other, you know, ground level characters. Because what, you know, what difference do they make? You know, if they punch out a few bad guys, when and I think that's where Ozzy was. He's like him and Manhattan were like, hey, we are worlds, you know, we're world fixers, and I think the other guys were just like. What are we, <laughs> you know? So, um, but I mean, but here's then like the actual, um, 
in the story they track Manhattan's trail to the DC universe. Right. Yeah. So that's the <laughs> hum. <laughs> or as or as Rorschach would say, Herm. Herm. Yeah, um, and um So does it work? I mean that's kind of the know. thing See, the hesitation I think. And and let me let me put this out there. So I'm not slavishly devoted to Watchmen. Right. They want to make before Watchmen comics, that's fine. They want to make a direct sequel to Watchmen, that's fine. I don't know if this is the right way to go about it. Yeah. And and I don't think that Jeff Johns is the right guy to tell that story. I mean, it's cool because like what I like about it is that he's making it very Watchmen esque Alan Moore style. You know, um, even the the panel grid system thing is awesome. See, well, no, but, well, that's that's what I have a problem with. I I have a problem with him aping oh. too much. Like I, I feel like at this point, you know, decades later, if you're going to if you're going to make a, a sequel to Watchmen, do it like make it different. Do it something like don't just try and like Johns is not like his style. Is he's not the spiritual successor to Alan Moore? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you know, he, I, he's I, I like a cover to... band. Yeah, well, he, well, I he, mean, he's a really good. No, he's a good. It'd be writer, like having, but he writes like very straightforward. Yeah, uh, it's like having a different superstar sing someone else's start, singing their songs. Yeah, you know, like well, hey, they're both talented, but. Yeah, like why are you um, singing like him? Hey guys, uh, James Hetfield from Metallica can't sing this concert. Uh, let's bring in Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's the. Di- I mean, it's that's... almost like it's um, it's that much of a difference to me. <laughs> like Jeff Johns, he's a good writer. He's written some great comics, but he writes a very traditional, a <laughs> uh, very traditional superhero story. Yeah, he. Um, I don't think he's built for the, for this kind of story. I think now I don't want to just say, "Oh, get it, get Grant Morrison." I like he he. Sh- I don't want uh, to want it to be like, "Oh, he should be the default for anything." Yeah, I think, but I think it has to be someone like a, someone in between. There's got to be a better choice. I think um I think the thing though the choice for Jeff Johns is I don't know how far the uh, like they left the Watchmen world. So now they're going to be in the DC world, and that's Jeff Johns' neighborhood. Like that's where he excels, uh, crossover, you know, like multi-character crossover type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I think the, um, yeah, I think maybe the the panel system might be too restricting because when you have uh, like superhero books, you want splash pages, yeah. you know, big scenes, but like it's almost like they're so controlled into that that grid, right? Um, well, look. I mean, look, look at the two ar- artists. I mean, you've got so um, you've got Gary Frank, who's doing. I, I think he's doing career work in this. Oh program. yeah, he's doing some great work. Yeah, but he is. But then, uh, it's completely different than Dave Gibbons. Yeah, Dave Gibbons tells a great story, but it's it's not as it's not a bombastic style 
No, yeah, Gary Frank has always been. Uh, he's like larger than life. He's always he's always been a very methodical, it seems, with his figures. Um, very, like his like just this his facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm showing him uh, Clark's expression. Yeah, which looks good and looks surprised. It doesn't look like superhero surprised. It looks like a. I don't know. It's so, it's so so you're saying that so the, that that he, he's the, like the, like the nine grid structure is is like constricting the the, the expressiveness of of it and it's like I get it for Watchmen because they wanted it that way, um, but like when you're talking when you get into Clark Kent in this story. I feel like the panels need to open up. I think that, you know, you could not even have a panel here and there and just let it bleed open um, so that he's left open to have bigger scenes um, when he needs them. Yeah. Or or even to show the blending of worlds. Like, you were in the Watchmen universe, and now you're in the DC universe. Yeah, and and they both look exactly the same Mm -hmm. stylistically. I'm not saying one should be dark and gritty and one should look like... A cartoon, right? But maybe there should be a slight difference, right? And yet, you know, I'm, I'm, I just think the what they did with the nine-panel grid back then, you know, with the storytelling, it just I'm not saying you can never do a nine-panel grid, but I just don't think you're going to do it as well as they did it yeah. at that time for that story. I just there's only so many times you can capture lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and and, uh, and they did it for um, when they had the Watchmen single issues mm-hmm. uh, about four or five years ago. Um, Silk Spectre, Amanda Connor, she did the nine panel grid. It looked it looked cool, but it was it was like while well, she recaptured. It just feels derivative. Yeah, it's it's a, it's like well you've captured that look in essence, but like have you really have you brought it further? Yeah. You know. Like, does it... And I feel like what they're telling us is, oh, the only way to tell any Watchmen story is in this nine-panel format. Yeah. So, so it's like you're, you're almost doing the, the property at this service by not exploring other options. Right. Like storytelling options. By letting it be a, a one-note. Yeah. So... Um, well, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about Rorschach. Okay, so so I guess we should we should put out a spoiler alert. Yeah. If you haven't read this yet, um, first of all, if you haven't read Watchmen, shame, shame on you. Yeah. Go yeah go yeah <laughs> go out right now and buy a copy of Watchmen. Um, so so at the end of the original Watchmen, Doctor Manhattan vaporized Rorschach. Right. Because he knew Rorschach was going to tell everyone the truth. They, they at this point no one knew about his diary. Right. They just knew that he was going to go back to civilization and tell everyone Ozymandias's plan, and it was going to ruin everything. So Manhattan vaporized Rorschach. There was nothing left of him. Right. But there's a Rorschach in Doomsday Clock. Yeah. And at one point he does. I'm not mistaken, right? He takes off his glove. Yep. And it's African American. Oh yeah. The original Rorschach was not African American. Correct. Was, he was a ginger. <laughs> he was a white dude. He yeah. had red hair, and he was, and he had this really odd way of speaking. But 
the current Rorschach and Doomsday Clock, African American. Now we've not seen his face, only his hand. Yeah, in his mouth. I must have missed that. The, he ate. That. He ate. Uh, oh, he, Bruce's. Oh, he, he, breakfast. Ate, he ate Batman's pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> just random. <laughs> <laughs> just Alfred just leaves out a stack of pancakes for Bruce in the morning. Yeah. He gets like, off of the, off of work. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I'm sorry. Batman's just eating a short stack. Yeah. He's just sitting there in the in the kitchen eating a short stack with his cape and cowl on and everything. Uh, anyway. So, but but he still has the same. He uh, has the way of think, way of talking. The way the way he talks. The, so, is this the same? Here's how is we. Here's my right, theory. Hit me. All right. So, this is a who knows, you know. But basically, though, the guy that interviewed Rorschach in the jail when he was captured in Watchmen was mm-hmm. Malcolm Long, and. Uh, he was a criminal psych- psychiatrist okay, I remember that. at Sing Sing Prison. And he was the one who was showing Rorschach, I think, the ink blots as well. So he had all these notes. And I actually thought that maybe this guy was him, was Martin Long. Um, I can't remember if he, you know, where he was at at the end of Watchmen, but I actually thought that maybe this guy took up the Rorschach mantle because he knew him so well from, from these interviews and, and psychiatric because he does say in the first issue of, of, of a doomsday clock that um, he's trying to remember and he wishes he would have wrote more stuff down. He's like, Hmm. he's basically saying like, he told me all this stuff and now I'm trying to remember and I should have wrote it down. And like when he was trying to um, search the, uh, tunnels i think for uh, night owls layer and um so then i thought well maybe it's him but now i'm looking at a picture and he looks like a middle-aged portly guy well, right that's what i was gonna say so, the original one like yeah he's he basically he is like, african-american he but like he's stanley from the office I mean, yeah <laughs> so maybe it's his like son or something i don't know I, or maybe yeah. it's maybe it doesn't matter well, I, I feel like that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, yeah, years and years of reading comics, nothing matters. No. <laughs> I mean, no. let's just put that out there right now. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's that's possible. I, but I, get, I, I think the thing that's hanging me up is how someone knows to talk like him. Oh, yeah. You know, that same cadence. That's what I thought, though, is that maybe, um, like, taking up the mantle, he actually is trying to not only think like him, but speak like him. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's that committed to the role of, like, or to do a service to Rorschach, the original character, that maybe he's like, hey, let me um, try to speak like him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I could guess. Yeah. But... Um, the one thing I like, I, I gotta tell you, there's little things in this, like, even though the story's a little, like, oh, they're going into the DC universe, it seems weird, but, like, that lead-in with the narrative, um, in the first issue, and then you find out that it's Rorschach doing the narrative, I was like, whoa, you know, like, <laughs> six pages in, or whatever it was, and, and it's revealed that that's who's been speaking, like, that's amazing, and then... They immediately take that, and they they're like, yeah, it's not it's not the original guy because it's a black guy, 
Um, and then, um, oh, the other thing too in issue two, mm-hmm. when they actually make it through to the DC universe, and they're like, we're gonna go speak to, oh, that team up, it's Ozymandias and Rorschach. It's the two guys from the original series, Ozzy, the villain, yeah. and Rorschach, the hero, um, are now on this mission to find Manhattan together. So it's like they, um, you know, hero and villain teamed up <laughs> to go find answers. And who did they first talk to? The biggest heroes and villains yeah. in the DC Universe. And, of course, Ozzy goes to Lex Luthor and... Rorschach goes to Batman. Which, okay, so... Or Bruce Wayne, they, I should say. Well, yeah, because um, they, they get to the, the DC universe, and they hit a library, and Ozymandias figures out the two smartest men on the planet are Lex Luthor <laughs> and Bruce Wayne. I'm like, how... <laughs> Comic book magic. Yeah, I mean, like, Lex <laughs> Luthor, I get yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get that Bruce Wayne. Like we know that Bruce Wayne's brilliant. Yeah, because we know. His, but how do you, you know? How does the normal person right go to a public library and figure out that and deduce that Playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne is a genius? Yeah, that's right. crazy. Right, it does seem crazy. That does seem his, extreme. His whole thing is to make his Bruce Wayne persona not. Like like yeah you know, yeah like, a, pil- like, a playboy yeah he's, he's supposed, supposed to be, be like the opposite of Batman yeah so I, I thought that was kind of a, a weird reach. it was a weird reach but it did like it did set up that that great scene uh, Rorschach eating his pancakes yeah and then right. discovering the Batcave and figuring out that he's Batman before Bat- Batman even gets home yeah I was like this is awesome but and and, and I like uh, how Rorschach was like forming opinions of who this person is based yeah. on the Batcave. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, he must be some sort of monster. He keeps all these trophies yeah. and his victories or whatever. Yeah. But see, you know, all this is, is why I'm still I'm still reserving judgment. I can't I can't say whether or not I, I am really liking this. I'll tell you, that's what it is. It's too early to say if I like it or dislike it, but I'm enjoying the ride. And yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep reading it. Um and I do like the characters. I like, I actually like the Watchmen characters, mm-hmm. and and to see where their story is going. Uh, they could have had anybody else, I think, for Batman, Superman, and all all the DC stuff. I t- to me, it could have been a whole different universe. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Like I don't care about the the mashup. Yeah. They're gonna they're 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 gonna have to have a hell of an explanation for Rorschach though, because I feel like. Yeah. I feel like that is what could come could make the whole thing come crashing down. Mm. If it's some con, some dumb like thing, like whoever is under the Rorschach mask, you know. The uh, and then let's spoil it further, please, for everybody. But the twist at the end. Um, oh yeah, I. Uh, what, this was what a weird twist at the very end because you're following along, you're in the DC universe. And then who shows up is uh, the comedian. Yeah. It's like, what? See, that's why I feel like <laughs> this... How did he get there? That's why I, I don't... I, I think Jeff Johns is a guy who takes what's popular 
and he throws it all into a bag. <laughs> and that's what that's that's the story we're getting. Shake and bake. Yeah. Shake. <laughs> and you know, it's like, oh, gotta bring you back the comedian. <laughs> but how? Like, just I don't What's know. What's the? There's and, and my, you know, my first instinct for Rorschach was that was that Manhattan brought him back. But then they're immediately like, no, that's not him. It's a different guy. Yeah. But now it's like, well, maybe he brought the comedian back. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I think he could do that maybe. But well, I'm sure. I mean, you know, the, the whole conceit of Dr. Manhattan is, I mean, time and space mean nothing to him. Yeah, he could do. He could he could wipe out entire universes with the blink of an eye. He could have plucked him from before he hit the street or something. Yeah. He could <laughs> – he could be an Earth Two comedian. I mean, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. So, like, what are they going to say that, 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 like, the Watchmen universe exists in multi, you know, like, yeah. infinite universes? I mean, I. They might say that too. You know, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like this whole, the whole event. Like I said, I, I really, I'm just going issue by issue. I'm yeah. Trying not to get too far into. Yeah. It. I, I like it. So, I, I, I will say that. I, I like it so far. Yeah, I'm enjoying it on the surface. Yeah. I, like I said, I definitely have reservations about it. Yeah. But they're still going to get my money. Yeah, that's – yeah, bottom line, I'll, I'm going to keep reading it. Yeah, I'm going to keep reading it. <laughs> so, okay, well, um, we, we spent a lot of time on that. Oh, yeah. Um, what else have we got to talk about? Well, geez, I don't know. Should I talk about Batman or Star Wars? Or do I have anything else? Let's talk about Star Wars. I feel like Star, Star Wars? Wars is kind of a big deal. Yeah, they put out a movie or something. I think. <laughs> I think there was some movie. Yeah. Well, uh, well. To 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 be clear, we're talking about the Star Wars comics. We are not the. Uh, oh, not, oh, not that terrible Star Wars movie. I totally forgot this, and this is like I, it's not in the notes, but there was a new comic this week too called the For, uh, Forces of Destiny featuring Leia. Right, which comes out from IDW. Yeah. So it's actually a, a non-canon, uh, non-canon stories about uh, mostly the fe- for the most part the females of Star Wars. Yeah, I'm I'm confused as to how IDW still has a Star Wars, <laughs> like how they're still able to put out Star Wars comics. I have no idea how they got this deal, but they yeah. basically I think I don't know why you know maybe Disney's like well yeah we don't want it to be a part of the universe so have a different company do it yeah you know but it's cool like if i I mean i'm not going to say much about it just i just remembered about it but yeah it's um it seems like it's geared towards like younger younger readers yeah young readers probably more female readers they had another one before this what was it called forces of destiny yeah that's the original that's the regular title yeah and they're doing a leia special one but even before that there was a another one called like Star Wars Adventures or something. Oh yeah, like that's a, right. Another anthology. That's the one I'm thinking of. Series. Yeah. That yeah. So I yeah. wonder if, if maybe they're only. I mean, if you think about what they're putting out, these are just like what IDW is putting out. I should say they're just like these one shot mm-hmm. or these these anthology stories that don't really. It could just be supportive like, to the toys, the Force of Destiny toys. Um, oh, there's a, there's a toy line for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that makes more sense. But yeah, I forgot about the Star Wars Adventures. Um, I don't know the reasoning there. They just felt like having more Star Wars stuff on the market. <laughs> like, there's not enough. Yeah, 
We need our four billion. Um, no, speaking of Star Wars and four billion dollars, um, no, the um, uh, a couple new comics came out. Um, the newest one is called Star Wars: The Storms of Crate, and uh, is actually a prequel for. It's a one shot, and it's a prequel to The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. in a way, um, more like a flashback. Really, um, it goes back to the time. Between New Hope and Empire, when they were searching for a new base of operations. Um, so pre-Hoth, post-Yavin, and they... Oh, so this goes all the way back to the original trilogy. Yeah, it okay. actually does, like, it, it. it's a nice touch. Obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, shame on you. <laughs> we'll say that a lot. Um, but, um, but in the final scenes of the movie, they're on... Uh, they're on a derelict base on the planet Crate, um, like a last hurrah for the, you know, for for whatever they are. Yeah. Um, not the not the rebellion at that point, but um, so anyway, this is just like a flashback to um, when they first um, looked at that planet as a base of operations, and. I gotta say it, like we said it before, but like these guys that draw um the characters. Yeah. Uh Mike Mayhew is the artist on this book. Oh. Oh my god. He just does like literal translations from the screen to the yeah. page. He, he, Mike Mayhew's a talented guy, but I, I don't I don't like when he does like actual properties. Yeah, it's because yeah, cause like you said, everyone just looks like they're it's so good it's distracting. Yeah, it kind of takes you out of it. Like, like I'll show you, like oh, Leia. Those are those are total screenshots. That's a screenshot where she's like, they let they let us escape. Yeah. That's what she's saying was, right I there. I was just about to say that looks like that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that, literally that. Yeah. So you can't do that. Yeah. That's 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 way too distracting, and it and it, yeah. you know what I I feel like it 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 kind of takes your comic down a peg. It's weird because oh yeah, and then I mean here's one from. You know, I actually drew this. I drew this image as well on a trading card. Oh man! So, like, yeah. I I know what that's from. That's from Hoth, and like a mm. that's a studio shot of uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. See, you know, I mean, now I'm about what five feet away from you. Yeah. You say, and anytime you you hold up that page, I <laughs> swear it, it looks like I'm looking at a photo. It does. It's and that's what's crazy about the book is like and and it, even with the regular Star Wars title. Uh, Salvador La Roca, mm-hmm. La Rosa, um, he's doing it too, and it's like mind blowing how good it is. But at the same time, it doesn't go over the rest of the page, so yeah. like the face is like dead perfect, mm-hmm. but then like the rest of it's still just like an inked. It still looks like comic book art. Yeah, impression yeah. of a of a scene. Um, so anyway, this uh, but this uh, storms of crate. Um, there's not a lot here that. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan like me, it's worth reading. Like, it gives, you know, they're just like, here's Crate. Um, you said it's just a, just a single issue? It's a single issue. Uh, Han, Leia, and Luke investigate it. Of course. And it's a, Yeah, it's a nice way to throw the gang together. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, um, a miner that's working there, but immediately also sells them out. So they're having, like, a nice... Um, drink with this miner 
he's like, oh, welcome, you know, Lay Organa, you know, oh, you're so great. And then she's like, I know you sold us out. <laughs> like, so she, and he's like, what? What do you mean? And uh, so, of course, then they have to escape before Imperial, you know, comes down on them, uh, the Empire. They want to avoid any Imperial entanglements. Exactly. <laughs> Luke gets to use his uh, lightsaber on a couple of stormtrooper guys, you know. Um, but like, it it really is like a kind of a it's it's a nice touch to the movie, but it's also but a forgettable, completely like you don't even need. It's it. It's unnecessary. Yeah, they, it, it's just a cash grab from Marvel. It is. Um, like, how I, can we how, how can we capitalize on? This? I think uh, Colin, I, uh, Colin, and I had talked about this book before it even came out. But he was like, "Why didn't this come out the week of the movie?" Like, I was like, "Yeah." Like, he's like, "You know, if you're gonna cash grab, yeah, have it come out the same week." You right. know, like everybody's going to see. Oh, look, this is Storms of Crate. It has totally has a uh, play into the movie. Yeah, I, you know, everybody was like, "Oh, I need that before I go see the movie too," and then. But no, they waited until January. They were like, "That's insane," or or at least the week after Christmas. I forget what week it was exactly, but yeah, they totally waited. I like, mean, why would you send that out late? I don't know. I mean, I guess they're. I mean, I, I I guess they were thinking, "Oh, well, maximum amount of people will have seen this by then." You know, after a month, and yeah. But but yeah, you're not like. Why wouldn't you have that and then? Like, cause like, they could have sold this at the theater. I was, I was just about to say, you, could, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there are comic book stores that partner up with movie theaters mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, comic book movies and Star Wars. Like, yeah, you, I'm sure any comic book retailer would have loved to have a, a case of these you know what? At, a, at a lobby of a theater. You know what? I paid buco bucks to see the, you know, Last Jedi, like the first showing. And they're like, hey, you get a free popcorn. You get tops trading cards and a poster, and I was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> if they threw that book in too, yeah, like every first viewer gets this book, that would have been awesome. Yeah, like here's Storms of Crete, and if if you're not in the first theater, then you can buy it on, buy it out front. Yeah, uh, take a dollar off for your ticket, you know, something like that. Everybody would have gotten, they would have been nuts. They gotta put us in charge of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, come on, come now. on now. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get the Sorgatron media just by, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, by, by your looks. That's right. No, um, well, maybe our looks. Yeah, maybe ours. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then I, I have another one. I didn't know if we wanted to cover this real quick, um, but. Uh, another, another Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Go for it. So it's been a while since we've had a show. Yeah. Um, in that time, we talk. Uh, we were talking about the end of Jason Aaron's run mm-hmm. on Star Wars, and now we have um, uh, Kieran Gillen, who picked up the reins. Um, he's writing the Ashes of Jeddah, which is another movie tie-in, which is I think a smart move. Um, it ties into Rogue One. Mm-hmm. It ties into the Death Star blowing Jeddah, the city, yeah. off the planet. And, and quite literally leaves the planet uh, with a gaping hole in it. Um, as the planet is now dying, um, the Empire is returning because they're because their Death Star is gone. And they're like, we need more of the we, Kyber crystals. We need more Jetta. Yeah. <laughs> we need more Kyber. You know, um, 
<laughs> but uh, well, that's an that's an interest. It, it, it's an interesting premise. You know, I I've, I've heard someone else talk about this, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I get it, science fiction, whatever. Don't think too hard about it. <coughs> but how can people live on like half a planet? Half a planet, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, it's a dying world. Um, there's a hole in it. I think the atmosphere's di- the whole planet's dr- drying up, and the empire's just coming back just to take anything just that they can. Pick the bones. Pick the bones, and the rebellion is trying to intercept that because they know that um, anything they can do to hamper the empire is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's their only goal on the planet. Um, four issues in. It's we're on to issue forty one. Um, it's it's been four issues of four this, issues of this already. Jetta story. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I fell way behind. I Whoa. read all these at one time. I thought it was maybe like one or two issues. No. It's like. And I'll show you this uh, cover. But if you watch Rogue One, this is uh, Saw Gerrera's second hand man. Oh okay. The guy that um, captures Bodie Hook, Bodie Rook at the uh, beginning of the movie. Okay. Um, he's still alive, and he's working with Han and Leia and Luke. Um, to cause, yeah, of course, because they're the ones there on the planet. There's, because there's only three people which, in the entire rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> which brings me to um, what was I going to say about? Oh yeah, that's so, a different story. But uh, but it kind of brings me to something with the Star Wars that I I think it's time for them to move on from. The original trilogy guys mm-hmm. um it's issue 41 the book that means the book's been out for almost four years yeah and i th- i think it's th- i think it's done i think they need to get to hoth and they need to start a new time period well you know y- you would think that they would take this opportunity to use the original trilogy characters to start developing yeah some other characters like um Look at like Doctor Afra, yeah, who is a, a crazy popular, yeah, and, you know, um, and she, I mean, she's got her own book, she's getting her own action figure. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, so like, let's get some new, some new blood, yeah, you know, I kind of, I said the same thing about uh, that's part of the reason why not to get on like a Walking Dead tangent, mm-hmm. but that's kind of why I stopped reading Walking Dead because it was the, it was like the Rick show. Or it was like yeah. Rick, Michonne, and Carl, and yeah, that was, and, and that was it. And or and then like, oh, let's throw Negan in, and it was like the same core group of characters with some other people scattered right. around. But it just got boring, right? And I feel like there's there's no reason for them to not with uh, introduce some new characters into this and like flesh out, like grow your cast, flesh out your yeah. world. I mean, you've got this entire universe. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Uh, What's nice is, um, and I'll just mention these briefly, but um, Darth, the new Darth Vader series takes place immediately after Episode Three, so it's it's Darth newly in his role, which I think is cool yeah. because it's a different time period. Right. And then there's Poe Dameron. His book is actually leading into The Force Awakens, and I believe with issue twenty five is going to be the final issue. Where it actually leads right up to the front of oh, so po- Force Awakens. So the Poe Dameron solo series is pre-Force Awakens. Yeah, oh, it's, okay. a, it's a lead-in. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they I actually... Check, um, it out. check that out. That sounds interesting. 
Uh, it's really good. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, Charles Sewell. Yes. And um, I think like doesn't Phil, Phil Noto do the covers? Yeah, Phil Noto covers, and then some of the stories are free. like the first story arc is pretty forgettable, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm not lying, but then like after um, they introduce a villain for Poe, and this guy is like one of the greatest characters I've ever read. Wow. Like he's he's awesome. Okay. And sadly, though, at the end, like towards the end of the series, they've neutralized him. And it's almost like it drug back. It's dragging back down to the way it was in the first couple issues, where I'm like, uh. "That guy is awesome. Like he needs to be. <laughs> like he's such a great villain." And him and Poe, it's almost like watching like Bugs Bunny and uh, you know Yosemite Sam or somebody going at it. Yeah. You know, like trying to outwit each other, and it's so much fun. But then, like now they're 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 winding down. They're coming to the end. Um. So, you know, that's open open territory, though, that they could just start a new series somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they need to. I think they uh, they rode the hype train with uh, the original trilogy, and I think they need to focus on some other eras. Yeah. Um, post, you know, post-Jedi era. Yeah. And, you know, something like that. I, I kind of get why they, they want to stick close to the original trilogy characters because that's what people know and that's what people are comfortable with. And mm-hmm. That's, you know, our our age group, our demographic, yeah. our generation. Like, that's those are always going to be our favorites. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. but but there's no reason why you can't, you know, start to wean people off yeah. or just say, like, oh, here's here's Luke. He's going on a mission with this some other, other character. With Wedge. That... Like, start yeah. with Wedge. Let's see some more Wedge. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know... Or bring in like Dak. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't that his tail gunner? Dak, yeah. You know, before he got smushed. Yep. Like, let's see a, a Luke and Dak mission. Yeah. Or something. Let's, you know. That's what was great about Rogue One was they actually got uh, a little bit of a chance to throw some guys back into the. Mm-hmm. One of the great things, uh, yeah, go off ta- off tangent, but one of the great things of that movie is that they used the original footage from 1977. I I, I did appreciate that. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, they're back, <laughs> and you know. And then you go to a convention, you see those guys, and it's like, wow, they didn't bring them back for those roles, <laughs> like because they're old. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So, um, so yeah, Star Wars recap. Okay, cool. Looks like it's good to get our get updated with Star Wars. Um, are you reading X Men Grand Design? I have not read it yet. You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, I'm not going to – I'll talk about it. Well, I, I, you can't spoil it, though. No, I was going to say it, it's not a spoilers, <laughs> but I, I was going to say I'm not going to talk too much about it in general just because I feel like it's something that everybody should experience for themselves. Agreed. Um, I, I have I have both issues. I have not read them yet. So. I just finished um, issue two today. I, I had started to read it a couple days ago, but I was tired, and it's – you know, the, the thing about the X-Men Grand Design books is they're kind of dense. Yeah. And you really have to give it your full attention. They are. Um, and that's why I haven't read them yet. <laughs> you know, when, when and when this project was first announced last summer, yeah, was it when, was that around New York? New York, or was it? So that would have been no, I think, it was or in was the fall. It, I think it was during Comic-Con, wasn't it? San Diego? It? Yeah, I think San, so. Okay. Well, sometime last year. It, yeah. it was announced, and 
everybody was kind of losing their minds about it uh, in a good way. And I thought it was, you know, it sounded great, but at the same time, I was kind of, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Mm -hmm. But after reading these two issues um, and really understanding what Ed's going for, it's really like it, it's sinking in, and I'm I'm, mm -hmm. all, I'm on board. It's really great. So if you're not sure what we're talking about, the X-Men Grand Design Project is, well, first of all, if you're not sure, if you've not heard X-Men Grand Design by now, because it's everywhere. I mean, it, it's yeah. like, it, it hit like mainstream news outlets. Yeah. I mean, it's really getting as much uh, attention as Ed's Hip Hop Family Tree yeah. got. And, and that's probably part of the reason why it's getting so much attention. So, um Ed Pisker, who is uh, a local Pittsburgh guy, we have the fortune, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to know Ed, and we've seen him come up through the, you know, through yeah. the, the ranks of, you know, indie comic guy to now. Yeah, from a little kid basically drawing his yeah. brains out to an adult drawing his brains out. Yeah, yeah, Ed is, Ed is the real deal. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he uh, cut his teeth with... Uh, um, Wizzy, or before that. Well, I was going to say what's... Um, What's his name? Um, American Splendor. Oh, Harvey Picar. Harvey Picar. You know, yeah, that's right. He started working with Harvey Picar, and then he, yeah, he did his own um, book, WYSIWYG, and a bunch of, you know, a lot of independent projects. And now, and then he, um, you know, he has his uh, Hip Hop Family Tree project, which is, I mean, that's that's huge. That'd be, you could, we could talk for a couple hours on that by yeah. itself. I mean, that's, but, you know, he's, in a documentary style, he's chronicling the origins of hip hop in the United States, and so he's taking that documentary style, and he's doing the same thing with the X Men, going back from the beginning. I think he's doing approximately the first three hundred issues. Yeah, I think it's of X Men at the Claremont run. It's yeah. the clear. I think is. Yeah, I think it's pretty much up to yeah. Or X Men number one maybe in 1992. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if he's going that far. I think he's just stay. I think he's sticking with like the the main X Men series. Yeah. Like the original, um, which is uh, I, approximately like eight thousand pages of original <laughs> material. Yeah. And he's condensing it and and not just condensing it. And, you know, boiling it down and, like, keeping certain elements and tossing away some other ele elements. It's almost like he's remixing it. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's he's re remixing the X-Men and telling the X-Men history in, in a more cohesive, straightforward manner. Right. And it's uh, it's really great. I mean, That's it's, awesome. it's a lot of fun. And not only, you know, seeing the... The X Men with a new history, or like a, a history that makes sense, you know, from you know from beginning to end. But you're seeing it in Ed's style. Mm -hmm. I mean, his his cartoony style, um, and in Ed's sense of humor, yeah, you know that he infuses. Um, it's a lot of fun, and and it's only going to be crazy. Crazy enough, it's only going to be six issues. Oh, it's six issues. It's only six issues. Actually... It's going to be six forty-page issues, and there's there's no ads. Yeah, it's just from beginning from page one to page forty. 
It's all Ed. Oh, wow. And he's doing the entire thing. Like, he's the entire... I think there might be one one aspect of it that he's not doing. Let me pull out an issue here. I got issue one. Oh, um, with the credits? Yeah. Um, I wondered if he was hand-lettering it. I think he is. He. Um, I can't believe he hand-letters everything he does. It's incredible. And it looks good. Like, it looks as good as a computer. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking at the credits... It just says by Ed Pisker, cartoonist. Yeah. Everything else is, you know, editor, group editor, editor in chief. So yeah. there's no one else credited that even on, on, yeah. the, on the creative side. So he's doing this everything by himself. All right, I I, I do want to ask you your opinion on something that because I had flipped through the book, I haven't read it yet, but he treats, you know, he uses that treatment on the pages to make it look like old newsprint. Yes. Which looks awesome. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about when when there's something white on the page, and he just lets the the white of a brand you know what I mean like it's a new white page. Um, say like uh, somebody uses their powers, like say somebody uses a, a power blast, yeah, or like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it. What do you think about that? Um. Yeah. It, so so what Scott's talking about is. So everything, you know, Ed, Ed makes his pages look kind of uh, yellow, but there are certain times when someone will, use, you know, use a power, and or it'll be it'll be like a very stark. So so even even whites on the pages look slightly yellow. Yeah. But there are some times where the whites will be a very stark white, where it's actually the color of the paper itself, like right. the original. Not not um, treated as a old newsprint. Yeah, I don't know. You know, actually, I didn't notice. <laughs> it's funny. So I'm I'm holding up issue one, which I already read a couple weeks ago. I didn't notice that until I was reading issue two today, yeah. and there was a a panel of um, the team in in like Antarctica, mm-hmm. and everything was snow. Yeah, and Except and, and every, so everything is supposed to be white, which it, it is, I guess. But then there's like a little ice man, and he's like this stark white <laughs> yeah. standing out against the snow. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know what I. I don't know what to, I mean. Like I, I, that's I, an artistic uh, thing, you know. Like he made a decision on that, yeah. but I don't know why he did. I'm not sure what to think about that. It, it doesn't. I, I could tell you it doesn't bother me. I, I guess. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is. Why everything just wouldn't be a uniform? Because it would be yellowed from, yeah. you know, it's the show age. It's the show, yeah, old uh, comic book age. You know, and maybe that was just him. Because okay, okay, so he's, you know, Ed's old school. He's not gonna. I mean, I'm sure he uses he, he uses digital tools, but but he's not gonna be throwing in like Photoshop effects or things like that. Yeah. So maybe that's his way. Of making something stand out without yeah. resorting to, or know, to show that, or to just show that he, um, is like I'm intentionally making this a newsprint look because here's you know here's a you know a pristine white part of the page that's untreated yeah you know with that effect mm-hmm. I don't know maybe it's just to show that he's like hey. You know, this is the level of uh, control I have on, you know, to give it this look and feel. 
Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's just kind of weird to me, though, that. Yeah, I hadn't, like you said, I, I hadn't noticed it until today. Mm-hmm. And flipping through issue one, I, I saw a bunch more of yeah. those panels. Um, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not really sure what to think of it. I don't know if I have an opinion one way or the other. Yeah. Um, of course, now that I know it exists, I'm going <laughs> to. Probably want to ask him. I'm, well, I'm going to see it now. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that is something yeah. to uh, to ask him or to, you know. Yeah. It seems like it's an artistic, uh, uh, you know, it was a decision, but I, I just don't know why. I don't I don't know what his thing. I'd like to know what his thought was on that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, it, you know, it's not wrong or anything. It's just a. No, it's just, yeah. But, yeah. I agree. So, and. Uh, I didn't know that was six issues. I thought it was. I actually thought it was only two issues. <laughs> I was like, I got no, them both. Well, it's gonna be. It's gonna be two. It's two, and then I think the next two come out in a few months, and then the next two will come. So, but then in between, issue like issues one and two, and issues three and four, issues one and two are gonna be collected into one of those treasury sized oh, okay. editions, like Hip Hop Family Tree. Oh, one of those. Okay. Two. So yeah gotta get one of those <laughs> um but no yeah either however you decide to read this book you got to read it it's even if you're a casual x-men fan you know i haven't read x-men in probably i don't know 20 years conservatively yeah it's been a long time since yeah. I read x-men like as a fan it's hard to come back to it honestly at this it, point yeah so i feel like this is the only way I can capture some of that, Um, you know, short of going back through like Marvel unlimited and reading them from issue one. Um, No, this is, uh, yeah. Ed Pisker's X-Men grand design. Just, yeah. I was talking to um, chip. I think, I think it was on at new dimension comics. Um, I think I was talking to him about that book on Saturday and I believe he's the one that told me that uh, Ed produces two of those pages per week. So it takes him, literally takes seven days and start to finish completes two pages. And so he doesn't actually, he doesn't take weekends off. He works a full seven days, two pages done. So like every week he's doing two pages, yeah, and it's the entire week. So like, just that level of commitment to uh, to his craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, like, like it, I said, I mean, Ed is the real when it comes yeah. to making comics. I mean, he he is the real deal. Yeah, yeah. So so why haven't you read this? Scott? <laughs> it's on, so man. dense because I have a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> well uh speaking of short attention spans we should probably wrap this episode up we're nearing an hour whoa okay yeah holy so, smokes yeah we we've, we've been talking a lot of comics although we've only talked a few comics but, but they were good ones yeah they were good ones yeah and uh that just means it leaves us more to talk about next time oh yeah absolutely yeah so, do you want to cap it here or do you want to well we'll yeah we'll cap it and then we'll start Oh, okay. Like but I didn't. Then, yeah, we don't want to talk about it anymore. Nah. Okay. okay. Yeah, we're pretty much. We're capping it. That's right. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that'll be it for this episode. 
episode number 261. And as always, you can find us on all the social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, find us on iTunes and give us a rating if you'd like. That helps people find the show and it and it helps us become you know better podcasters. And tell us what you think of this episode since we're doing things a little different now. And uh, let us know what you think of the new format and the new, you know, if we sound better, if we sound worse, if we <laughs> sound sexier, you know, it all it, it all goes into the uh, it all goes into the pot, you know. Um, that's comic book pit. That's right. Yeah, comic book pit. That's pit with two T's. <laughs> um, Scott, is there anything upcoming or anything you want to pimp or anything uh, going on with you? I mean. As far as art, I've I've been kind of I've been out of it. Um, I actually am going to a uh, toy show called Toy Hio, mm. and I'm selling some some old collectibles. Okay. And it's out in, uh, I think it's in Akron. Is this, a one, is this like one of those one day shows? Or? Yeah, it's a one day show. Um, they've been doing a few shows and they're growing, they're growing their strength. But uh, but yeah, it's a old school toy show. Not an expensive one to get into. Um, and it's in, it's, uh, February 10th, I believe. And so, but you can just, um, search Toy Hio, which it's just the play on, you know, Ohio. Ohio. Toy Hio. Toy Hio. Um, clever name. Nice guys. Um, I've been to their show to shop and I'm actually just going to go and sell some stuff. So. Nice. So I think it'll be fun. Maybe. So. You know, hopefully people still have some Christmas money burning a hole in their pocket. Yeah. Or by that time, get get a little uh, refund money. Oh, yeah. I got, yeah inco- refund money, people. Income Come on tax. now. <laughs> got to spend it on something. <laughs> Don't be responsible with it. I am at, I am trying to work on things in the in the, in the secret, but, uh, yeah, nothing to, nothing to mention now. So Okay. Well, I will, uh, I will promote um, another podcast that I do. It's a show that I do with my wife, actually. It's called the Pilot Season Podcast, and we just, uh, like the the name says, we just watched a pilot episode of a television show, and we talk about it, and usually we have some fun with it. Um, so we're we're about almost twenty episodes in right now, so it's just something fun we do. So if you want to check us out, we're on iTunes. It's just search for Pilot Season Podcast, and you'll find us. So. Nice. Yeah, a lot of fun. It's a, it's a clever idea. I like it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Our latest episode was Buffy, I believe. That is correct. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, so. we, we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I had seen it before, obviously. Uh, my wife had never seen a Buffy it's the Vampire so, Slayer. It's so, such a long time ago. 20 years. Yeah. It's yeah. unreal. 20 years. Jeez. I know. <laughs> Hard to believe. All right, well, we'll... we'll We'll save the rest of that for our uh, right. Buffy pit. There you go. <laughs> our Buffy Sounds podcast. Good. So, okay, so this has been episode 261 of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. And I'm Scott. And we'll see you next time. See you.